What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're on a collision course with the national championship, and the only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, or get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you're like this, you can't beat me, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now. Here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. You are tuned into another episode of From the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane, Presley Meyer, Vincent Lococo, no Matt McGavin tonight, taking the night off. But we have got a victory to celebrate, boys. I, I mean... There's a lot of people that were counting us out, and including I mean, me. I, I love to say I wasn't one of those people. No, I was just, actually kind of close to the score too. Which you were. Was, I was close. They had us in the first half. Not gonna lie, they had us. No, but no. we had them. But really, we had them right where we wanted them. Is what I think personally. But we're gonna get into all of that tonight. We got a lot to get into. As Louisville gets a victory. Uh, in the ACC against a, a, a very good Pittsburgh team. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. A team that took uh, one of the best teams in college football down to the wire uh, and has uh, been pretty impressive otherwise besides that loss to Georgia Tech. Louisville picks up the win 24-10. to 10. We'll get in all the details tonight on the show in our segments each week, of course, with Right and Wrong. Vince's Game Notes is back. Jacob Sack update. We've got all of it tonight here. We've got some statistics to dive into. And, of course, we're going to talk about Wake Forest because the top 10 team is coming to town this weekend. At 3.30, if you don't have your tickets, I'm going to tell you to hit pause real quick and go get those. Actually, you know what? When we when we publish this press, let's make sure we put the uh, the link 
to the tickets in the actual podcast itself. We'll do that. Uh, so if you want tickets to the, to the games, if you're interested in being there on Saturday, which you should be for a blackout, wear black. That doesn't mean wear red. That doesn't mean wear white. That doesn't mean wear gray. That means wear black to mm-hmm. the game on Saturday against Wake Forest. Do that. We'll have those tickets uh, in the uh, in the description and, of the show. And, and don't be one that. of those people that is complaining about having, you know, like an afternoon, mid-afternoon kickoff. Oh, I don't gonna think you're going to hear any. I don't think you're going to. Oh, that. Yeah. 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 Don't be that person. I like I get I get, you know, blackout night game. Very traditional, but it's whatever. You can still make the best out of it. It's Halloween weekend. So wear black. That's right. There you go. I love it. Vincent LaCoco speaking wisdom on the show tonight. Uh, but we're going to also start the show off the way we like to here now. Turnstiles of content. We're going to dive into some of the the fun, wacky stories around sports and entertainment. And I'm going to start. um from the marijuana department, okay? We're going to go straight to the marijuanas, okay? To the weeds, the pots, okay? Did Jarrell's parents call it pot in high school? I feel like uh, I'm scarred from it being called yeah, pot. Yeah, my mom calls it pot. My dad probably calls it like... Reefer. Reefer, yeah. Your dad definitely calls it something <laughs> that is like slang, but I don't think he knows it. The, the, the fun, the funny part about all of it is now my dad will try to sell anybody that talks to him CBD oils. So, but still, still not big on the reefer. Here's the the story I want to I want to talk about, and it's related to Snoop Dogg, right? If there's one thing Snoop Dogg's known for, what do you what would you say it is? Corona commercials. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cooking shows with Martha Stewart. Bad yeah. music. Oh, yeah, see, our, that's that our cooking show. Right? Hold on, that cooking show with Martha Stewart is kick ass. That, yeah, some of that food is unreal recently horrible music that's what our generation knows him from bad music entertainment mogul right okay so an article from vibe was published uh yesterday an interview with a a former staff member of his her title was personal blunt roller are you all familiar with blunts is that a term that you are are well versed with okay whenever i read uh, matt mcgavick's blog posts i think this is awful blunt matt (laughs) this is what you're talking about yeah that's right Okay. So a hun- imagine 150 of those a day. All right. Can you imagine that? 150. Yeah. That's how many his personal blunt rollers said that she would roll at a, at a time. I calculated over 450,000 450, joints or slash blunts that she's rolled throughout the, the uh, time of working for him. To which she said, this is the amount, okay? That's a, that I was trying to figure out like how much you have to smoke for, for 150 blunts. Like what's the what's the weighage of that? What's the what's the poundage? She says that she would roll up to a half pound a day. There's no way this human being can smoke a half pound a day. Is he ever breathing? That's what I'm saying, <laughs> man. He becomes the blunt at some point, yeah. right? Like, like he, he told he told Howard Stern in 2019, I think the first thing we got to discuss here is that he's got a, a personal joint roller. Like, of course, if you got that kind of dough, you're going to like, you know, I would imagine if I had money and I wanted to smoke that much weed, I don't have time to roll all of that. I'll get somebody to do it for me. And that's exactly what he told Howard Stern. He said it was necessary for him in 2019 to hire somebody of this uh, caliber for uh, due to timing. He just doesn't have the time. Uh, and he said. That that mf'er is impeccable, uh, referring to her uh, uh, her blunt rolling ability. So how about that? Just to start the show, I well, don't know. So the thing that comes to my mind is she's rolling him blunts, which means that maybe if he just didn't smoke so many blunts, then he'd you know save a little bit more time in his day. Just, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the circle of life, right? Like if you're gonna willingly slow yourself down that much, then you're going to have to save time in other areas. And so ultimately that's what he had to do. But okay, let me ask you this. Is it possible? I don't know if that's possible. I don't think so. 
I, 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 it's I don't know. It depends on if his joints are joints or blunts. You're going back and forth here. Yeah, there's the little. Big, they've got to the be big. just like little one hitters, though. Like just a little, and it's and it's gone, right? Like just hit it and quit it, right? Is that is that not what that's from? Is smoking weed? That yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> right. He. How much do you think? How much do you think that person made? Snoop Dogg tweeted uh, in 2022 back in June. How much? Right, more than me. Made? Oh no! I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two hundred and forty thousand a year. Okay, all right. Um, no, some in no. the millions. No, wow! You all really went high on. Uh, I no went high. Intended that, yeah. Forty to fifty thousand dollars a year. That's it. That's 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 all it takes to pay for a full time joint roller. Uh, and I would imagine that this oh, person, that'll, went with, you know, if Snoop Dogg lives in California, that should buy you a nice uh, hut. But yeah, but, but all right, last thing here, and then we'll move to the next the next topic uh, that one of you guys have brought. He, his quote is free weed, all paid expenses. Everything I get, she gets. I go get some free clothes, I give her some. The gin and juice, I share it all the time. So how about that? Look at that. Sharon okay, is Karen, that's, right? That's fair, sure. but I'm, I was going to say, I don't think that she's smoking a lot of weed if she's rolling that many joints. Like she's I don't gonna- know. See, here's my thing. If I'm cooking you that much food, I bet you best believe I'm eating some of that food while I cook it, right? So I feel like the equivalent could be true here of her uh, partaking in the in the pot smoking. What would you say to that? Do you think that's a realistic? Probably, you know, same thing as you eating. You taste as you go along. So probably just one hit here. Probably lights it. Make sure it's good. Yeah. Here. Puts it out real quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Over. Yeah. So. All right. What else we got? Anything I'm, else? I'm bringing to the table a tweet that I'm sure both of you all have seen by now from uh, the United World Wrestling. Uh, wrestlers are truly built different. Last Saturday, Northwest College Wrestling, Kendall Cummings saved teammate Brady Lowry while he was being mauled by a grizzly bear in Cody, Wyoming, USA. I saw this. Oh, nice. my gosh. Yeah. I've always Talk wondered what bear your teammates like. back. <laughs> I don't know about that, fellas. If, if it's us three in the woods and a bear's coming, all I got to do is just be faster than one of you, and I'm good. That's like how I'm going to look at that. It's not a, I got to help save you guys. You're on your own, man. Yeah, I'm probably playing a little dirty, too. I'm not playing fair. One of y'all is getting thrown to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bad knee. I have to make it fair. I just I saw the video like of what the dude looked like afterwards, and – Oh, that kid's uh, face is mauled. On well, the top of his head also is mauled. His ears were like gone. I, I mean, it's just, I cannot imagine what an encounter with a bear would be like. I, I really can't. Like, I, I can think of Jackie Moon, if you've seen Semi-Pro when he wrestles the bear. <laughs> that looks like a fluffy bear, not so much one that's trying to eat your face. In this case, I don't know, man. Best of luck to you two, because I'm not helping. That I mean, that that's impressive. Can we get some of those guys on the football team? Wouldn't mind them. <laughs> that's I mean, some unmatched toughness right there all right, i mean so i'd offer that kid a scholarship if you, you want to talk about backflips jacob hey i'd rather see like a, a full nelson you know that, that'll that win you more games than a backflip i feel like yeah yeah this guy wrestled a bear i think he can take <laughs> down a freaking running back <laughs> yeah he can we could throw him the game-winning touchdown like josh lifson yeah you know? i don't even need game film on you <laughs> no the Josh natural, Lifson could fight a bear. Josh Lifson could definitely fight a bear. Well, and that's what I was going to ask. What the natural follow-up to with this? With the KCD. No, we can't. If if you're if you're out in the in the woods with with a football player, with a Louisville football player, and a bear comes upon you, and you are who which which Louisville football player would you want? Makai Becton. Okay, yeah, I feel like I've got a good size, you know, human version of a bear to go up against the bear. Uh, Sean Rankins would not be it's not a bad, bad option. Low center of gravity, get up under the chin. Mm. Uh, that would be good. Uh, D'Angelo Brown, 
Stout can probably drive his feet into the ground a little bit, get up mm-hmm. underneath. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say Elvis Dimerville, uh, because yeah. same same reason as the other guys, low center of gravity, like five ten, but has like a seven foot wingspan. So he's he's built like a bear, like he <laughs> he's built like a baby bear. So, but he's All probably right. a little bit smarter. So, Presley, what we got? Last last little bit of content here in the turnstiles to get into the the show for the evening. Yeah, yeah. So on theme Halloween this week, right? So we had to bring some Halloween content um, because of the COVID pandemic. We all know that 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 there's some you know we're going into kind of a recession type of period. Um, you know, there's you know money is tight for companies, and so candy companies have decided instead of charging people more money this year. If you go to the candy aisle, and you might already have, the candy's smaller now. Did we know this? So I have people- I have not noticed that, and I have gotten quite well, a bit of working candy. for a candy company. I can tell you that at least from the accounting department, we're not shortening anything. Yeah, yeah, there. <laughs> that seems about right. I think that lines up with what he's saying exactly. Yeah, and and, and there's actually a, a name for what they're doing, and I apologize, my dog is just a handful tonight. There's Going a name to for what they're doing on the squeaker. They're calling they're calling it shrinkflation. Yeah, so just a little. It's like Seinfeld, you know, a little shrinkage. Yeah, a little shrinkage. Uh, yeah. Got so, it. so if you if your kids, you know, if you're doing the ten percent candy tax, uh, when your kids come home and you check, you're checking it for razors and and uh, you know, fentanyl. Watch yeah, out fentanyl, for that fentanyl. Kentucky man. football tickets. You know, you never know what could be in there. <laughs> um, so w- when you're checking your kids' candy and taking some of their candy, you're going to notice maybe the Reese's cup has decreased about 8% in diameter. And you're going to wonder why, and you're going to say, thanks a lot, Joe Biden. That's what you're going to say. <laughs> oh, my God. Inflation, man. And that's a perfect perfect hey. ending to that segment, man. That's great. Great stuff. What do you got? Well, I was just going to say, man, speaking of Kentucky football tickets, Tennessee this weekend, what do you all think is going to happen in that game? Gotta watch Kentucky go win, man. I don't know. Who knows? I don't. I don't. I don't. I think it might be an ass whooping. It's a it blackout. Might be. Blackout it for Tennessee. And those uniforms are fire. Yeah. Let's yes. talk about Halloween colors coming in. That right there is some, yeah. some spooky colors. That that's good vibes, and the vibes are all pointing towards big win. Yeah, all all, all reports are saying that Tennessee's uniforms are are the same size. Um, so so hopefully uh, that will kind of fuel them. Uh, but uh, listen, I, I saw some people who are knowledgeable in, in the betting world saying that Kentucky is, is the best play of the weekend. Uh, they're they're twelve and a half point underdogs. You know, obviously Tennessee. Uh, it's it's that kind. It's that thing that everybody's going to say until until Tennessee proves they can you know continue to string string together uh, you know consecutive good wins. Then you know they're they're going to go with with you know thinking that that they're not able to do it. So. Uh, that, it should be an interesting game. I'll, I'll say that. My thing is, I don't, ha- I don't have enough faith in Will Levis. I don't think that he's, he's the gamer that everybody makes him out to be. So that's, that's, that's my, uh, that's my, that's the most you'll ever hear me talk about Kentucky football. But yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, we're getting that tough either. I mean, just, I mean, rolling on the ground and stuff like that after getting hit. I mean, it's just a sack. We can't say jack shit though. Let's no. be honest here. No, last no. year was just this is a, this is an asinine conversation right now. This, <laughs> is, <asinine>. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely asinine. We sound I, got, like I got one more thing for you guys. Okay, uh, for for our our irrelevancies, I made a video as the as uh, Malik Cunningham threw the final pass out of bounds the other night. Do you want to hear the video? Yes, I want to hear the video. All right, because you know you know what kind of just I've been I've, so for people who don't know, last year I covered 
games exclusively from the press box. So last year I didn't get to cheer. Like I cheered when we, you know, when I was watching from my couch and stuff, but I didn't get to cheer. And so Jacob's really never seen me like be a true fan at football games. And I get crazy at football games. I'll get right up in your face. I'll tell He's you running up and down the stairs, people. Okay. It's so I just want you guys to see, first of all, can you see? Yes, I can I'm, see. I'm this sweaty. is amazing. I'm you were so sweaty. sweaty. You were very I, sweaty. I got a hell. I was so sore the next day. I got a hell of a workout. Uh, but here we go. See if you guys can hear this. That just gets better by the second. Oh my god! <laughs> I can only imagine <laughs> the the number of people who were staring at you like you were an absolute fool. Um, I, I mean, we were all hyped as could be, but no one in the building was as hyped as you. Uh, running up and down the section, telling everyone that Wake Forest was the following Saturday at three thirty. Let's get loud. Let's go. Sick of this shit. All the entire way out. In fact, your brother and I sat in the parking lot waiting for you to come back to the car for almost like 40 minutes. And your yeah. dad kept asking, where's Presley? And we're like, well, he's probably on the other side of the stadium by now telling everyone else that Wake Forest is next Saturday at 3.30. I talked to easily. I would, I would predict probably, or I would guess looking back, probably like four to 7,000 people. Yeah. From, from the, you gave, you gave your offer the bill on Saturday. There I did. I was, I was no hugging people. If people would engage me, I was hugging people. I was shaking hands. We were talking about the game. Like, no, it was just good conversation. Like, I was just excited. Like, I like just being right in the middle of it and, and celebrating and stuff. And we were just kind of like, you know, bird's eye view. So I was getting down to the action, you know. I was, I was right. getting people. down and dirty, man, doing your best Mason Riger. You were flying around with it, just getting go. after it. Let's Absolutely. go ahead and transition into the next part of the show before we lose everyone here, even though I will say that video, that's epic, man. That's like, that's what legends are made of right there. It's, each week, we like to tell you what we got right and what we got wrong from the, the week prior. Uh, and this stems back to, if you've been listening to the show throughout the year, uh, a couple of our just early, just just purely terrible takes, pure, terrible opinions. Uh, eventually, you have to laugh at yourself. And so now... Here we are, right and wrong. Each week we tell you what we got right, what we got wrong. For this week, I'm going to you, Presley. You're leading the you're leading the ship here. Steer us into oh. the direction of the of the beautiful paradise ahead. He's got notes, just like Satterfield. He's got, I got notes. notes. Tommy Scott Satterfield, I came prepared. All right. First of all, first and foremost, uh, Presley and Vince got it so right when they said Louisville will win this football game. That's right. That's right. Hey, hey. Yeah, a little troops right, a little troops yeah. right. If you, if you listen to the show, you know. Uh, okay, where Jacob got it right, he said that Louisville would need to rely heavily on the back of wide receivers, and uh, no no bigger plays than than uh, to Chris Bell, little Josh Lifson. I know he's not a wide receiver, but the pass catchers, right, the backups. So that was that was a big one. Uh, where Jacob got it wrong, he predicted a seven point loss. Jacob, do better. Yeah, I got it. Ooh. Ooh. Where Matt got it wrong, he said that the pit staff has shown that they will outcoach the Louisville staff. That was not the case. No, not at, at all. Least the Pitt wow. fans, Pitt fans wow. were not very, not very happy. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that maybe you maybe you could call it a push because history had indicated that Pitt staff was doing a pretty phenomenal job this year. You've been Narduzzi. Yeah, well, they got Satter swatted. <laughs> Satterfielded. 
They got they got fielded. They got sat daddied. Yeah, oh, they got sat daddied. I like that. Where Matt and Presley got it right. If Louisville cuts the big plays out, the win. And we talked about this ad nauseum. And I mean, like I've you know continued to talk about it this week. That was the that was the big issue for the defense. The defense has been great, with the exception of of, of allowing too many big plays. Um, where I got it right again, the coaching staff was very prepared, and that will send a message of preparation to the rest of the team. Uh, I, I think that you could just sense during the week that they, there was more of a focus, more, and they won't tell you that, but they, they really just exuded some confidence going into this game. And they, I, I think that they kind of, they felt that swagger this week. Can I tell you when I knew Louisville was going to win? Can I tell you when, fellas? Because it was, it was very obvious for me pretty early. When, when is that? That is during the card march between Scott Satterfield, Mark Ivey, and his white cheap sunglasses with the super shiny like metallic he's got like a tooth a shark tooth chain necklace and Satterfield's pointing and he's signing babies and he's just like he's electric (laughs) and Brian Brown's over there pointing at parents and he's just those guys had it going on and I'm not even kidding you I literally like turned to Presley and was like we're gonna win this game that was like an election photo (laughs) for the president or somebody it's like yep he, yep. <laughs> he was out there kissing hands and shaking babies. And, and shout out to our shout out to our guy Jared Anderson. Uh, phenomenal photos this weekend. And he came in hot during the card march. He was on the back of the the police four wheeler. He was ready to go. He was riding in hot with that red hair. Uh, where Jacob got it right a couple in a row here. Uh, he said that Lil would have a loud and raucous crowd. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was kind of a, a subject of the focus last week. Was that uh, we don't know if anybody's going to show up for this thing. And and they did. And it was it was very loud and and, and a good time. Uh, Jacob said, whatever team scores 21 first will win. We'll score 21 first, and they won. How about that? Pittsburgh. Ah, there you go. Here's the maybe the most wrong I've been all year. Where Presley got it wrong, Louisville needs to play Nicario Harper more. He needs to be a main death piece, I said. <laughs> and then the same day that we released the podcast, Nicario Harper entered the transfer portal. He's out. He's bouncing. <laughs> he said, I'm out of here, man. That is hilarious. That might be the like one of the, the best of the year and getting, getting it wrong right there. Uh, it was incredible. That. As soon as I heard that, I was like, holy cow, what a, what a take. Uh, <laughs> where Presley and Jacob got it way right, though. We said that he needs to that, – that Scott Satterfield being he needs to play MJ Griffin more um, and that the staff is too stubborn with Kendra Duggan. Well, guess what happened this week? MJ Griffin started and Kendrick Duncan, Duncan did not see the field. Uh, wow. So we got it way right. Uh, uh, it was maybe a, a bit of bit of luck. I think both of MJ Griffin's interceptions this year have been right place, right time. They're both overthrows due to pressure being forced by, you know, Abdul and, and, and Diaby and the boys in the, in the backfield. Um, and he's just been just in the right spot. Hey, that's yeah. what a lot of guys that played with uh, Gerard Holloman, they, that's what a lot of people said that he was. He was kind of – he knew the Luke-y. defense so well. Yeah. He knew uh, what the other team was running so well that he could bait a quarterback and throw in a pass. And, you know, a lot of times that pass rush was so good that quarterbacks would think they have a wide receiver wide open downfield, and really it takes 10 steps for him to get over there, and it's big. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. And and real quick, Preston, not to, to derail the segment here, but we'll get into a sack update much later on. But what I do want to talk about that won't be mentioned in the sack update is the seven QB hurry slash hits that they got on Keaton Slovis on uh, Saturday night, including Ben Perry absolutely lighting him up, which led to that interception by MJ Griffin. I had to watch that play about five times to notice it was Ben Perry. But kudos to them. Seven QB hits is impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's. I mean, look, they, they gave that man hell, and we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. Another w- place where I was right, uh, Keaton Slovis 
makes me feel comfy because he isn't a threat to run. And that's absolutely the case. We'll, we'll just teed off on that man all night because he was not getting out of the pocket for anything. He was, yeah. isn't he like a six year guy? He's, like, uh, he's close to it. I don't know. I, I feel four. like he's an older quarterback, definitely like our, in his like early twenties. So his, his knees are probably feeling it. Can't run that well. Yeah. yeah he's like he's McKenzie veteran, style. Yeah. He's better in power five transfer and he's definitely taking his licks at, at USC in the past. So, uh, where Vince got it right, Louisville will fix their bad eyes in the secondary. Uh, we talked about that a lot about, um, you know, allowing the big plays has a lot to do with, you know, Louisville just not the, – the guys in the secondary not fitting their gaps, not being where they're supposed to be, um, and, 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 you know, sometimes getting, getting – thinking it's a running play and it's a passing play, and then it's too late. Uh, so that's where Vince got it right. Jacob got it right when he said – that the number one defensive focus was taking advantage of Pittsburgh starting left tackle being out. How about that? And that was absolutely the case. They definitely took advantage. I was kind of curious if they had shifted their right tackle over to left tackle and moved their like second string tackle to right tackle because they feel more comfortable having a left tackle that's played a lot more ball and stuff. Because if you guys watch that Yasir play where he got the, uh, he got the sack, I believe, uh, I mean, their tackle didn't even move whenever the ball was snapped. That doesn't seem like a play. Yeah. Like a veteran kind of guy. Now, I'm not really familiar with the pit offensive line then again, but that doesn't seem like a play a veteran yeah, would have made. We need to go back and look at that. But, yeah, if, if, if you guys remember who were listening, um, it, it seemed like Yasir Abdullah was so taken aback that nobody even came to engage him that he kind of stopped for a second. He was like, oh, I guess the play is going. Like he saw a quarterback ball in the hand and, he's, and he was gone. But it, would, it took him a, just a half a second to actually recognize, like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. He's doing the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, so that was, uh, that was something. Um, Jacob, I'm going to call this one a push for Jacob. He said that Gavin Bartholomew – Bartho- I cannot say that name. Gavin Bartholomew will have, a big, will have some big plays. He had the one. And French. I got to tell you, the first time he French. did it, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. He was, it was wide like open on the sideline. Second or third play of the game. He nudged <laughs> 18 me. yards. Man. Yeah, 18, 18 yards. I it was, was like, an 18 yard go. game, but he only had two plays for 24 yards. We'll call that a push. That's, You're I would right even there, call it that. need to be watching for that. Where everybody was right, um, and maybe this is too obvious to even include, but we said that Amari Huggins Bruce was not injured, but that he will not play. That's what we deduced from, from the press conference. He warmed up with the team. He was dressed. He was on the sideline like he was going to go in the game at some point. Never did. So Scott Satterfield said this week that he will be available, quote unquote, but whatever that means. Is he going to go out there and torch them for 150 yards or is he not going to get into the game? Who knows? Um, but let's let, let's be uh, hoping and praying that he's on the straight and narrow now. Yeah, the only reason I knew he was on the sideline was a picture that a recruit posted with him, and I was like, wait a second. I, I didn't realize that he was going to dress, but I guess it's one of those situations if he didn't dress, maybe there'd be more questions afterwards. So put I your uniform on and get out there. You're just not I playing. mean, like uh, with a suspension like that, it, it kind of looked like a – or even if it is a suspension, whatever you want to call it, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I guess that's rights? a one-game suspension since yeah. he wasn't hurt, uh, but it was more like a – if you want to win, put booby in situation because he's fully dressed. Yeah. It's like, look, if shit gets really bad, yeah. we, might have those we gotta shit. go. That's <laughs> well, right. and that's we that's what I was wondering if if they were like, okay, we're gonna get if we get down by two touchdowns, like if there's like a barometer, like if, if this happens, then uh, you'll see him kind of doing some high knees. Yeah, like you uh, you see Sap like pull out his, uh, on his uh 
play card a little back sheet with when Amari comes in place. Yeah. 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 That's right. All right. Anything else to, to wrap the segment up? Is that it? No, I mean, I, I did have one random stat of the week for you guys as well. Let's hear it. I got to throw it, throw in there. Throw um, it in. So Tyler Hudson was the, the number one receiver for Louisville against Pittsburgh. Who was the second leading receiver for Louisville on Saturday night? Josh Lipson. No. Malik Cunningham. Yep. Malik Cunningham was second in receptions or second I, in reception yards. Excuse me. Yeah. We'll get, in, we'll get into that, man. Vince's game notes. I'm hoping we've got a little bit of a blurb on that play specifically. If not, I will talk about that play because there's a lot to dissect. If you do it nine more times, it doesn't go down like that. Once again, it was no. insanely <laughs> lucky and beautiful. It was, it was perfect. But th- that wraps up right and wrong. The segment where we talk about what we got right. And what we got wrong from the week prior at tune back in next week. We'll see what, what we get from wake forest. Uh, it, it really is a, a grab bag each week. You never know what you're going to get out of there uh, but let's go ahead and move into the recap for pittsburgh as i mentioned to start the show the cards win this one 24 to 10 uh, they moved to four and three so now two games away from being bowl eligible two and three now in the conference for louisville pittsburgh four and three they fall to one and two in the conference and some of those questions that people had about pittsburgh leading into it and the georgia tech loss now kind of validated uh, but still a very solid football team overall uh, malik cunningham leads the way for louisville passing with two touchdowns 122 yards one of those touchdowns goes to josh josh Livson in in what was the game winner technically uh, and then marshawn ford catches one in the first half a beautiful play he had one of those what do we call it a high school harry's what would we call the yeah, play where high, you school don't harry block. Block. high school yeah. harry he, he hit him with the like yeah. i'm gonna block you and then he, he juked him and the dude was just <laughs> the dude was just still yeah, there you know, for a second like, oh, afterwards shit. man yep. tyler hudson again he he's gonna be a thousand yard receiver i'm i'm confident in that it's gonna be very very close but he is he is really coming on for louisville and i think as you get other guys back and other guys get more comfortable can get him the ball more. Uh, he leads the way five with seven, for 71. But the Louisville defense is where it was really at. They hold Pittsburgh to 10 points. I heard a, a number of different stats about that. It was Louisville uh, ending a winning streak on the road for Pittsburgh. It was Louisville uh, holding them to the second lowest point total or the, the third lowest point total uh, since, I think, 2019 or something like that. I mean, they really had some impressive stats in this one. Uh, Yasir Abdullah is really the story of the game there. He has seven tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, three quarterback hits, and an interception. Um, and they they made plays. Obviously, they get the fumble at the end of the game that leads to the Cottrell Clark touchdown. Overall, a really solid performance by Louisville. I would say their their best performance, top to bottom, beginning to to end all year long. I know they started slow. They let uh, Izzy Abandicana kind of get going uh, early on, but they turn it on. Uh, and the defense leads the way there. So now let's jump into the, the, our favorite segment of the week, what people call the greatest segment in sports talk history: Vince's game notes. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's Game Notes with Vincent Lacoco. Vince, what we got? Well, I guess, you know, we'll start off on the offense since that's what we were talking about, uh, talking about before. Uh, guys, it's we've seen it all season. Malik needs to be more accurate throwing the football downfield. I mean, that interception was terrible. Probably, was so one, bad. probably one of his worst ones of his career at Louisville. I mean, it, it was just bad. I don't know why. It looked so noodle armish to me. We all we were joking on Syracuse quarterback beginning of the year having a noodle arm, and you know here goes our guy. And I don't know if he was afraid of overthrowing him because that's what he tends to do. So he let some off of it, or if the wind was blowing hard or what. But it it just didn't look like he no 
threw threw enough in under it. I don't go know. Go back, go back and watch that play again. The mechanics on that throw are probably the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it, it was so bad. Good. Man. Yeah, so it bad. Look good. I mean, you guys notice it now. He steps in a bucket when he throws, and I mean, he had like one release. foot, one foot in the air when he threw the ball. I mean, it was just so <laughs> weird, man. Curl hop into it. <laughs> it's just like a like a one step hop jump throw. I it, it was it was wild. And what what else I've noticed? So outside of that. I mean, that's, in my opinion, that's really one of the only negatives, and that's what kind of stalls our offense, is if Malik can't push the ball downfield on first down or even second down, then we're kind of screwed on third down. So it hurts us, and that's where we're not getting those point, points early in the game that we that we want so badly. Uh, you know, get a lead on a team, keep the lead on the team, put on the throat and improve on that lead. Uh, but getting on to, you know, some more detailed stuff, I guess you would say, uh, I want to see Cooley get the ball more. I think Travion Cooley solidified himself as our number one running back with Tyon being out. And uh, even when Tyon gets back, I'm comfortable with Cooley being our lead back and Tyon coming in when needed. Uh, if you guys watch Cooley inside the hole, it's a lot like Le'Veon Bell. It's quick feet and uh, slow pace. And what's really big and what uh, NFL scouts are going to love is his acceleration off the cut. Uh, his first step, he is just incredibly powerful and gains at least like two yards off that step. He makes like he'll it'll be like a yard, two yards, and then he'll get like the Sonic Hedgehog turbo boost and get seven yeah. yards real quick. It's crazy, man. I, I know it's all acceleration. I bet the dude squats a house. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if you look at him, his I mean, he's not that big upper body wise, but I mean, he's pretty freaking stout on the lower half. So I, I'm I'm sure he squats a house easily uh everybody wants to hit on sats play con his sats play calling you know those two plays your lifts and touchdown your forward touchdown uh both of those you know those are sat plays and the throwback pass that is a sat play all three of those are scott satterfield plays those are not lance taylor plays everybody so thank you that can be creative Set can be fun and sexy with the offense. Mm. He just needs to open it up more. I don't know why, you know, we get in these ruts of just simplicity, no motion, things like that, just nothing really happening. And it, that's when our offense stalls, stalls and it just looks boring and mundane and everybody's like, why are we doing this? Because our offense can be like that. Do you think that's him just trying to figure out the opposing defense or – you know. I mean, obviously, you want to throw your jabs, which, I mean, that's probably why we start off on, you know, an outside zone, inside zone play to open up the game to get a, get a good feel for everything. So, I mean, if you're – I kind of look at those as like jabs. We're feeling them out, see what they're really going to run because you have all this film on them, but you really don't know what they're going to run until they get there because you got to think they're game prepping for you too. They're not going to come out and run the same thing that they ran against, you know, Miami or whoever that they ran right. against us. That right. they're, The only team that they would do that against would be App State. Because that'd be the only team that'd be, you know, remotely beneficial for. Uh, but th- I mean, those were those were all sat plays. And talking like diving a little bit more in detail with those plays, the Marshawn Ford touchdown. Clearly, the motion sets up for Malik to read man coverage right there. So all he has to do is sell a good pump fake and get the ball to Marshawn Ford. I mean that. I mean it, it's an easy play. You see the linebacker come up, take the bait. And just dump it off. That's what we needed. I was nervous as hell that he was going to overthrow that because, I mean, that's what Malik does a lot of times with a wide open receiver. But 
At the same time, if they would have sat back in zone, I felt comfortable that if we dumped it down to the running back, we still would have got the yards there for a first down. So it was a good play call. Jacob, do you want to take the reins for your throwback pass? Yeah. Do you, that- do you want me to let you have that glory? I, I feel like you've been waiting on that, sitting on that play. The only notes I made of that play, because I knew you were going to come with some heat, was you should have scored. You had four offensive linemen out in front of you. So, and the offensive linemen were probably licking their chops being downfield. And it all right, like a herd of cattle. That's right. Let's let's talk about this play. Let's just break it down from the beginning. First of all, you have a motion. The motion throws everything into into play in there. They I don't I don't know who it was that came in motion, but the motion man kind of forces the defense to make a quick decision. All right, so then they snap the ball, throw it to Braden Smith. First of all. Braden Smith, two for two on the season. I think maybe we might need to have a third quarterback in the third in the in the controversy <laughs> here because my man is out here slinging the ball. Uh, but they throw it to him. Good pass to him. He's got the the high school Harrys on his side over there, really selling their blocks. But right as he's getting ready to throw that ball, there is a defensive lineman that is screaming to him and gets him at the last second. He gets rid of the ball. The defensive lineman that's supposed to be covering Malik is like two inches away from Malik. I mean, he also was very close to – he would have picked sixth and ran that in. I would have left right there. Defensive that was a hell of a block. That was a yeah. great, great yeah. little hedge by yeah. Brian Hudson. That's right. That's right. So Brian Hudson's not even in the herd of cattle. Malik catches it, and all of a sudden, you got four guys just building this wall essentially around Malik Cunningham. They have protected him from all angles, and it's just so funny to watch it, dude. Like you just get to see four dudes that have been waiting their entire lives for that. Yes. and they block the hell out of all the dudes in front of them. And Malik, if he just keeps it on the sideline, I think he scores. I really do. But he tries to cut it back inside, and there's a guy there. They trip him up. Um, yeah, you never Braden cut Smith. back inside. You, ne- you never cut back. That's where all the bad people are. You just keep going forward. Trust your speed. I think if he would have tried to hit the – if he would have stayed on the sideline, he scores there. But overall, I love the play, um, and I, I just – I love when they can do things like that. And, you know, I also don't – you know, it led to a Josh Lifson touchdown, which yep. – is great, but that ball was severely underthrown, and it was wide <laughs> open. And you're talking well, about Malik Cunningham underthrowing and overthrowing. There's a perfect example, and Josh Lifson, you know, does what Josh Lifson does and just makes a play. That, that diving into that play a little bit more, what you have right there is like a little scissors concept, is uh, what a lot of people like to call it. If you, if you think about it, it's just a post in the corner, right there. And typically, you want to run that like out wide, you know, somewhere where you can get yards, probably thirty to forty yards downfield type deal. Uh, is where you want to hit that ball. and uh, But we brought it in, in tight and showing a little bit of cre- uh, creativeness out of Coach Satterfield. We ran it out of the, with the tight ends. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we had either Sherman and Lifson or Isaac and Lifson in there running that play. So one of them was going to score on that. It's a lot like the Clemson play where they run the pick route and uh, they score the touchdown that we talk about a lot on the show. It's the same concept, just kind of ran out of a, a different formation, different set. All right, what, what, about the, what about the defensive side of the ball, Vince? What did you see there that, that stood out to you? Hey, defense held it down for us. Defense is the reason we won this freaking football game. I mean, pressure-wise, yeah, we'll, we'll start off with you, Sear. Like we talked about, this, this, was, this was his NFL draft game. You have that play where, he, I mean – in the first quarter where he has uh, the wide receiver runs a motion and you see her reads it like a freaking book, oldest trick in the book. You see her saw it coming, the wheel route coming off of a deep pose. Oh my gosh. Surprise, surprise. You see her has the perfect angle on it, cuts it off, turns around, makes an interception. 
What I hated out of that play is how we didn't score off that turnover. That's besides the fact we've already talked about the offense. Can I just but, say that that God was in his bag when he made Yasir Abdullah because Yasir Abdullah was built to stop wheel routes. Like that's yeah. what God said when he made him. And on the seventh day, I made the man who will stop wheel routes. He's looking. I mean, it's such a great play for him because he gets to use it. It's just like basketball. You get to use your size, so you're driving that receiver out of bounds. The sideline's your friend at that point because if he goes out of bounds and the referee doesn't see it being you pushing him out of bounds and the quarterback throws it and he catches it, that's a penalty, obviously. So the sideline's your friend, and you're using the sideline, and you're pushing him, pushing him, pushing him to the sideline. And, I mean, Yasir just turned and made a phenomenal play on it. Uh, I mean, that's a hard play to make, too, honestly, a run-in like that. Yeah, I, I, look, that play was – it should have never happened in the first place because my favorite play in, in Madden, which this is a terrible way to start the sentence here. The rest of this is already disqualified. But my favorite play in Madden is the play-action bootleg where you have either the tight end or the H-back running across the formation where you can just d- dump it off, right? And you get an easy first down a lot of the time because they go with everybody going deep. Slovis had it wide open for a 20-yard gain, and he just didn't throw it to him. It hey, was amazing. Hey, look, Slo- Slovis, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the benefit. Actually, I'm not because that means you didn't do your job at home and you didn't do the scouting report. You should have known when Yasir Abdullah is a second-round second draft pick at this point. Like, I mean, obviously, I think Yasir could, could be a first-round draft pick. I'm a huge homer there. Yeah. But, I mean, that's besides the fact. I, I mean – do your homework, man. Like, that's not just Joe Schmo out there playing outside linebacker. That's, you know, a 225-pound linebacker that can run a 4-5, 40-yard dash. Like, let's, don't, don't get mistaken. <laughs> so, um, I mean, keep going with the defense. Let, let's roll on with that D-line. The D-line was straight menaces on Saturday. It was bully ball from every rotation that Mark Ivey threw out there on the field. Uh, Big shout out. Yaya, Yaya Diaby had a phenomenal game, was all over the field, uh, was jacking people up, TFLs, uh, putting the shockers on people is what uh, Ivy likes to call it, where you just freaking lock, a, lock an O-lineman out and he can't go anywhere and he's stuck in his tracks and you throw him off. I, it was beautiful from those guys. Uh, Mason Ryger. Mason Ryger, folks. Career, if you have, career if you high have five fun, tackles. Let's get that you, jersey. I, I saw him with the turnover belt. That's right. He had a forced fumble. Exactly. So, I, I, I mean, the kid, if y'all want to have fun watching Louisville defense, watch Mason Ryder sometimes. Because, I mean, even on the big plays, and it sucks because, I mean, it's a big play. It was a long run. But this play, I just so happened to be watching Mason. The kid turned around, and, I mean, it was a long run, and he chased the running back down for 40 yards. And say he would have broke that second-level tackle, Ryder would have made the tackle on the 10-yard line. I mean, that's just like the kind of player he is and the kind of effort he throws out there on the football on the football field every Saturday. So, I mean, that, that's cool to see. Uh, I, I loved how Coach Brown dialed up the pressures this, uh, this game. There's plenty of ETs and uh, TEs where we're wrapping people and bringing people around. Uh, he loved the double-edged pressure this week. I mean, that, that was the big uh, – I, I think we had – was it the fumble? Yeah, uh, the fumble was – I mean, two, two edge rushers, I mean – Coach Brown has been dialing it up for our guys. And like Presley said, last podcast and this podcast with him being right, uh, the big plays, with just us eliminating these big plays, the defense would be fine. 
the last two games, we've really kind of seen the defense limit big plays and a certain player has not been on the field uh, at safety. Kendrick Duncan being that player. Is is there any correlation? Is yeah, there any correlation I mean, there? Yeah, there's probably correlation. There's also, I mean, there's also places you can use him and not have him out there being that, you know, safety that's stuck out there covering an inside receiver. I mean, that that's, I mean, that's on the coaches. They should have known putting him in that situation wasn't a good situation for anybody. It's like having uh, Josh Minkins one-on-one with uh, Zay Flowers. Yeah. Zay Flowers. Like, that's just bad coaching, you know? So, now that MJ Griffin's in the game, like, the, the kid's a baller. Uh, it's frustrating that he had those injuries earlier in the year and he couldn't get on the field quicker. But, I mean, I, I love what he's doing. He's doing a great job. Uh, defense, over, overall, guys, for me, Defense won us this game. Everybody always likes to say defense wins championships. And if our offense can bring it along, if our offense can just start playing our normal ball with whoever's at quarterback, it can be Malik, Brock, or freaking Nathan McElroy for all I care. It can be anybody. What about Braden Smith? Braden Smith. Just run our normal stuff and score. Let's not be so bland. These plays with flavor and sauce on them, they work. The motions, things like that. I don't care how tired guys are. We have the depth. These freshmen are out there making plays. Chris Bell, I mean, made a great play. Tyler Hudson made a great back shoulder catch the other day. Coach Fitz and I, you know, I'm sure you guys saw us talking about that on Twitter a couple weeks back. Brought it up on the podcast. Would love to see them execute more stuff like that. That's a play in college football, which obviously Malik – and it seems Brock both can throw that ball very well. That that's a play that a lot of corners, unless you're going to be going to the NFL, cannot make a play on that. So I mean, those are kind of those are my thoughts, guys. I want to give two little you know shout outs. You know, uh, JT, thanks for showing up. That was a clutch kick. I mean, that, dude's that was on a huge. streak. V- Virginia, Virginia last year, I was couldn't stand him. He was cooked. Yeah, great job gathering your confidence back and uh, showing up in a big moment. So, second one, we want to talk about that last play. Funny story on that last play. We were signaling in 2019, and uh, Zeb Spears said that his dad scored on that play with Western Carolina when he was the head coach there. So, that play is designed for, obviously, us. Like, there's three seconds left on the clock. Malik, just scramble out to the right. Throw the ball out of bounds as far as you can. Right. Well, the guy at Western Carolina didn't throw it far enough out of bounds at half. And his guy caught it and scored a touchdown off of it. And I was like, <laughs> I turned as soon as I saw Malik drop back for pass. I'm like, oh, my God. All I saw was he's not going to throw, throw it far enough out of bounds. He's going to get picked. interception. No, I saw interception. They're taking it back to the house and bad stuff. But, uh, yeah. Wouldn't have mattered. I was it wouldn't have mattered, but still, anyway. it would have hurt. It would have been a stupid – that would have been people saying, oh, why would we drop back for pass on blah, 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 blah. Oh, it would have ruined every bit of good vibes. Yeah. No, no, doubt. Presley I wouldn't have been running up and down the stairs. Instead, he no. would have probably been drinking. Uh, but that, was, that was my, that was my funny story about that, about that play. All right. Well, that's Vince's game notes. Absolutely love that. There was a lot um, from, from this game that I think offensively play calling stood out. I really thought Sat was – you know, creative, like you said, and then on the defensive end, uh, side of things, you talk about two guys that need a little bit more credit than what everybody's giving them oh, right now. How Brian can I Brown. forget to mention Marvin Dallas? 
Marvin Dosh on specs. Yeah. That, I mean, isn't that what you've been waiting for all year, Jacob? It was Marvin Dallas to be showing up on some capacity for our team. Yeah. And and that's the depth, right? You get you get to see a little bit of it. They're playing Tafik Thomas, Caleb Banks, Zach Edwards, Sayla Brown. I mean, these guys were getting clock in the first half. It's it's the kind of stuff you want to see. All right, let's do this. Let's go ahead and step away for a quick break. On the other side, we'll we'll get a an update uh on the sacks and, and see what's going on there for the race to who's gonna be the sack leader. Uh we're gonna also Talk a little bit about what this means for Louisville, this win, uh, and how they translate uh, translated into success and momentum. Um, I need to correct myself, guys. I got a fact check. That's important here. We don't want to be spreading any lies. Scott Satterfield has won three games in a row in his career. It has happened in 2021. They beat uh, after they lost to Ole Miss. They won three games in a row, but they have has never beaten three power five teams in a row. So that's what we will aim for against Wake Forest on Saturday. On the other side, we're going to talk about that game. We're going to talk about um, the keys and why I think that this game is winnable for Louisville, but there's one thing for me that stands in, in, in the way of predicting Louisville to win. We'll talk about that on the other side, but before we go to a break, we got to talk about our friends Kern's Corner. If you're looking for a spot to grab a beer, looking for some chili on one of these cold Louisville days, looking for some, some grub, that patty melt is fire. Kern's Corner in the Highlands, that's the place you need to be. Go over there when you do. Tell them that uh, your friends at State of Louisville sent you. Uh, Help us, support us by supporting them. That's the spot to be if you're looking for a game. The college basketball, NFL, NBA, horse racing, all that stuff. They've got it there. Kern's Corner in the Highlands. Go check them out. We will be right back on the other side to talk about Wake Forest. All right, let's talk Wake Forest here because um, this is this is not your grandma's Wake Forest, right? Is that does that make sense? Is that a, is that a, is that a thing? Right? This is not your grandma's Wake Forest because they're a top ten team. Um, and what we got to do around these parts, I'm I'm gonna go ahead. I've seen a couple people talking about this, so it's not. This is by no means an original thought, but we got to put some respect on opponents' names. We got to stop doing this build them up, tear them down thing. This is not working. Okay. Like I understand fans are <laughs> actively rooting against the coach to lose so that he can be fired. I understand fans don't want to see the, you know, some fans don't want to see them do well because it means he might come back or they don't want to see them toe the line. I get all of that, but let's stop tearing opponents down after Louisville beat them and say, well, they weren't even that good anyways. Okay. Wake Forest is a top 10 team. They have scored 40 points in every single game, but one. Okay, that is a crazy stat. Like they are one of the best teams in the country offensively. And and what I want to start with here is a sack update. I think that's extremely important because that's going to play a huge role in this game. And then Presley, I want to talk about uh, just some of the defensive numbers that you pulled this week for State of Louisville. First of all, let's go to the sack update. Where are we in the sack leader right now? Guys, it's getting close. Okay, Yasir Abdullah was kind of down and out at first, but he's he's roaring back with an intensity that we have not seen. Uh, right now, it's still Yaya Diaby in the lead with four and a half sacks. Ashton, Yasir, Monty. Those guys lead the team right now in sacks uh, from tackles, tackles for loss. We're going to throw those in there. Uh, Yaya Diaby, eight and a half, man. That is just, he is make he is making plays. And I'm going to tell you what, we've talked a lot about Yasir getting drafted. Yaya is going to be drafted, dude. They don't make guys that are 6'6", 270 that are able to move like that. That dude has made himself some paper this season with his play. And we could have seen it last year. I mean, we talked about he had 10 tackles or 10 QB hurries last year or seven QB hurries. He was right there a lot of the time. Uh, so for Louisville defensive line, they made plays. They they did it with their pass rush. Then we had two sacks, but they had those seven quarterback hits. They had, I think, what I say, eight tackles for loss or something like that. The last two games, they have really come on. They were already first in the country in sacks at a given point. Um, you know, I've got the numbers here. They they are really, from a, a defensive standpoint, improving, and they're improving fast. Now, it may not be what you kind of thought they were, but, you know, overall for Louisville this year, scoring defense, they're 26 in the nation. 
Um, from team sacks, they're fifth. At turnovers gained, they're tied for ninth. This defense is legitimate, Presley, and you wrote about it this week on the site. So tell us a little bit about how the stops, consecutive stops, and how they're making these kind of uh, – they're, they're kind of bucking these storylines that they can't get off the field. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that has been the key this season. Essentially, if if you look at you know these, we're talking stats from across the season. Louisville's number one among Power Five teams in sacks. Like that can't be understated. But they're also you know they only trail Oklahoma State and Clemson in, in tackles for loss. Like that's not just just the last couple of weeks they've made up for that. That's been across the the entire season all year. They've, yeah, they forced fifteen turnovers in the last five games. Like that's. You know, pretty much since the they, you know, had zero turnovers forced against Syracuse, one against Central Florida at the very end of the game. And since then, it's, they've just been absolutely on, on a freaking tear. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you just look at the statistics uh, across the board, and I mean, if you just look at it breaking down Louisville's drives, uh, you'll see that, that it's, it's truly just those anomalies. I wouldn't say they're anomalies because they happen – frequently, but it's, you know, they'll have seven or eight great plays and then one just God awful play. It's like, you know, it'd be like striking out, you know, seven guys in a row and then giving up two home runs. Like, it's just, it's like, there's lapses in focus. I don't know. I don't know exactly know what it is, but I mean, the, the, the statistics prove that, that it's the Louisville defense that's really stepping up and the offense has been letting them down. I've been kind of screaming this from the rooftop since the first game of the season, you know, again, against Syracuse, it wasn't just that they allowed, what was it? 34 points to Syracuse. It was the fact that I don't remember if it was 34 or 31. It was the fact that Louisville was right there in the game with, with many opportunities to, to take advantage. And then ultimately ended up giving Syracuse the ball and Syracuse just had to drive. Like, I think it was like 20 and then 25 yards to score touchdowns. That's not on the, on the defense. That's on the offense. And, and so if you sit here and break it down, so again, Syracuse, these are the longest stretches that they had with no, no points allowed. So the longest stretches where they either forced a, a, a turnover, a turnover on downs, or forced the opponent to punt. Um, so against Syracuse, they had four consecutive stops. Against Central Florida, well-documented, they had 10 stops in a row. So pretty much they allowed two touchdowns early. From there on out, Central Florida didn't score. 10 stops in a row. Florida State, they had five consecutive stops. And, you know, I remember we talked about it at halftime. We talked about it after the game at Florida State. You, you got you to gotta keep, keep them down when they're down. You know, they had every chance against Florida State to, to take advantage, uh, and, and they simply did not. Against South Florida, they had nine consecutive stops. South Florida kicked the field goal. Then they had three consecutive stops. Um, Boston College is the outlier. I talked about that a little bit this week as well. Two consecutive stops at Boston College. Worst offensive game of the season, worst, worst defensive game of the season. It seems like the anomaly, anomaly statistically and just a, across the entire schedule. Um, then against Virginia, they had six consecutive stops. Virginia scored kind of a, a, a late touchdown. Uh, and then they had three consecutive stops against Virginia. And then, of course, against Pittsburgh, they had five consecutive stops and then four consecutive stops. So pretty good stuff from the defense. There can, it's not just like, oh, wow, nice, a three and out. Because early in the Satterfield era – and late in the, in the Petrino era, that's kind of what, what the narrative became. It was like, okay, well, the offense is going to score. Just have the defense get some stops. I think that's what the narrative was. And somewhere along the way, it's gotten misconstrued where people are like, well, if the defense could get, just get a stop, the defense is getting stops, man. They're forcing turnovers. They're putting the offense in really good positions. And the offense is turning around and just shitting its pants. 
And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I've been preaching this for the entire season and, and now with the elimination of, of those big plays, that's kind of the, been the culmination of, of a defense that's already been really solid. And, and what you see is, I, I think this is a defense that loves to play with their ears pinned back. I mean, what other defense doesn't like to? And it's very hard to play with your ears pinned back when you get put in a shitty situation because now you're playing based off what the offense is running instead of, you know, you're not setting the tempo, you're not establishing, hey, this is how we're going to be playing the game. You know, it, it's the quarterback sitting back there for forever, feeling like he has all the time in the world instead of us you know, oh, man, I'm going to have four people, five people in front of my face the entire game. Like, this is going to be a long one. I'm going to have to get the ball out quick. So, I, I, I mean, that, that goes with any defense, though, y'all. I mean, if the offense is going to put them in shitty situations, then they, it, it, bad things are going to happen. I think that's what at least happened a lot in those higher scoring games. Can I tell you, here's two stats that show me this defense has changed. This is not the defense from the beginning of the season, and it's not the defense that we've heard for the last four years. And this is this is the two numbers, okay? And it, it may not sound like a lot, but for this defense, from where we've been from 2016 to now, it, it it's telling, okay? Number one, they are um, they are tied for being sixth in the country in red zone defense. Like, they have gotten to the point where they are holding teams to field goals, which – if your offense is scoring points, that's amazing. That's what you want. Yeah, Give us beautiful, three perfect. or zero, right? Don't yeah. let them get seven, three or zero. So there's that 68% of the time they're stopping teams in the red zone. Like that's incredible for what we've seen short yarded situations or, or, you know, whatever the case is they're they're making plays. That's really important. And then here's the other one. 37th and third down defense may not sound like that's the, you know, uh, something to celebrate, but considering the last couple of years, literally we've heard third down music time and time again, and then watch Louisville get trounced. Like it's, it's nice to see Louisville actually getting off the field. They're making plays on third down. Like this defense is showing you improvement. Yes. They're still giving up the big play, but at this point, the people have got to wake up and realize it is not the defense causing problems here. It is the offense for Louisville. And, and specifically it's pinpointed to the passing game of Louisville. That is the difference on this team. Defense is doing their job, man. By the end of the year, I mean, right now they're 26 in scoring defense. They may be a top 20 defense. They may even be a top 15 defense. I don't know. Like, I mean, they're going to play Clemson, Kentucky. That's going to probably skew some things, but like, dude, if they make plays against them, like if we continue to see over the next couple of weeks, that this is not fluky, that this is who they are. Six wins is not the ceiling here. It, it has a feeling for me, at least in my perspective, that the defense is peaking at the right time, starting to. I don't want to say this too mm -hmm. early. Mm -hmm. and feel, I mean, next week, right know, and wrong is just exactly, a mess. Right, exactly. Right. right and wrong is just a mess. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that is kind of what it's feeling like, is that they could be peaking at the right time, and if the offense can turn it around, they have the potential to turn this entire season around and everybody's entire view on Coach Satterfield. That, that's right. And that's what we've been saying for the last couple of weeks. And I've, I've heard a couple of, of radio hosts kind of use different analogies this week. And I'm going to just say it. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks here. Like there's time on the clock. It's not, it's, it's no secret that Satterfield could go out and save his job. Like he could win games. That's what you ask him to do to save his job, the opportunity is there and he's doing it. Okay. And I know people are wanting to discount whether Virginia is a big win. Okay. It's not, they're not very good. Right. We just saw them lose to Georgia tech. Right. Didn't they lose Thursday night or they, I don't know if they end up winning. I, some of the ACC at the bottom is trash, man. I can't watch that shit. Um, and that's what people say about Louisville. 
So, you know, that's probably what that feels like. But um, point being, they're they're doing enough right now to to win. And they're they, they, the more they do it, it's going to be against better teams. And that will show you that Satterfield is getting it together. And I think at the end of the year, if Louisville ends up in a situation where they're they're six and six and they finish with a defense that's top 30 nationally, like you got to credit Satterfield for sticking with Brian Brown. Like you have to, at that point, you've got to give him credit for riding with his guy and his guy coming through. Like I know people joked about Satterfield talking about being involved in the defense, but look, what's what, look what's happened since he said that you got to give the guy credit for kind of sticking to his guns and doing, you know, what he needs to do. Previous years, teams, I mean, if you look at that 2018 team, which is what a lot of people were comparing this squad to prior to uh, what the Virginia win, I guess. Yeah. A lot of people were saying this is a lot like 2018. They roll over, blah, 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 all this other stuff. No, no, this team does not roll over. Scott Satterfield does not roll over. They they want to win just as bad as we want them to win. You don't think you don't think Betts scratches his tummy? You don't think he rolls over and gets a little tummy rubs? <laughs> you don't think so? I don't know, man. I got him as a guy that gets a little belly rubs. So <laughs> one, one quick thing to, to add that to that as well. We talked about how Louisville, we, we pretty much spent the whole podcast and across multiple articles on our site talking about how Louisville gives up big leads in the fourth quarter. Well, in wins this season, in the second half of wins this season, they're allowing 3.25 points in the second half of, of their wins. Now, in losses, it's been ugly. As we talked about against Florida State, it was not acceptable. Uh, against Boston College, it was definitely not acceptable. acceptable. Um, you know, against Syracuse, they, as I just talked about, they scored those, those 14 points in the fourth quarter. Overall, however, uh, much improved, especially over the last few games um, in, in, in the second half. Additionally, they ham and egged it well, finally. You know, we talked about that as well. Uh, Louisville was was – very solid in the fourth quarter last game, obviously 17 points in the fourth quarter last game, obviously 10 points from, from the offense, but still um, really solid considering that, you know, you were losing game 17, nothing um, in, in the fourth quarter previously. So uh, just a complete turnaround, complete flip of, of momentum. And a lot of that fueled by, by their end of game play. What, what I don't want to happen now guys is complacency. Don't come out here as a defense and, you know, MJ Griffin, for example, not this is just an example, not singling him out in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I think he's a phenomenal football player. But, you know, say I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the first half of the season. I made a couple plays. You know, he might get comfortable back there. No, continue to stay hungry. Continue to want to make these incredible plays and improve the team. Because, I mean, you can't be satisfied right now. You have to be – you have to realize who you beat, like we've been saying the whole show. You know, Pitt's not going to go out here and compete for the college football playoffs, nor is Virginia. So, I mean, let's be real here. Yeah, and so let's talk about Saturday. They they welcome Wake Forest, who, like, as I mentioned before, is ranked 10 in the country. They're 6-1 and one, um, with their one loss this year coming to Clemson in, in double overtime, a game that, went, you know, obviously went down to the wire, a game that they very easily could have won. Um, and they're a team that's got a very prolific offense. As I mentioned, they've scored 40 points in every game but one this season. Or, I'm sorry, every game but two this season. Um, they've, they've been able to put up big numbers in the passing game. They've been able to put up big numbers in the, uh, in the run game. They've, they've really kind of, you know, overall improved on defense. Um, but what Wake Forest is going to do is this, this really unique system. And it's not something that, 
um, is new. We've been seeing it now for several years, but um, Vince, tell us a little bit about slow ride and decide. What is slow ride and decide in football terms? What does that mean for some, somebody who looks at their offense and says, well, they move that, you know, they just kind of like ballet tap to the line and then make a decision. What are they doing and how are they reading the defense? I hate this offense so much. <laughs> I mean, man, everybody knows what they're doing. They're holding it to the line. The coach Sam Hartman's going to sit there and ride that running back all the way basically up to the center's ass. He's going to get a nice sniff of it. They're going to run something behind our linebackers and try and run like a slant, maybe a deep post, whatever. Their O-line's going to be five yards downfield. They won't call a penalty on it, and they're going to try and hit us for a touchdown like that. I mean, that's what their offense is. There's no hiding it, nothing. I mean, a lot of it is that RPO BS. Obviously, yeah. they do have normal plays and stuff, but, I mean, the main focus is that RPO BS. Yeah. I will continue to call it BS for the remainder of the show. We've seen them over the last couple of years, guys like Kenneth Walker, Christian Bill Smith. They've they've had, you know, Matt Colburn is a name that definitely strikes fear into the 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 hearts of Louisville fans. Not really, but you know, you know what I mean. Twenty eighteen, you, you just get to feel that sometimes over and over again. Um, they they've had running backs, but this year is not one where they have kind of that star. Um, Justice Ellison has. Uh, leads the team in rushing with 432 yards. Christian Turner has got their their touchdown lead with five touchdowns on the year. Um, overall, in, in terms of an offense, uh, from a rushing standpoint, they're uh, 75th in the country. So they're not a great rushing offense, uh, but what they are is a great passing offense. A.T. Perry is a guy who is um, on NFL radars. You know, he's just another one of those wake wide receivers that's been able to, you know, become a, a staple there. And then the guy that really worries me is Jamal Banks. He, This dude is a freaking dog when it comes to going up and getting the ball. I watched a lot of the highlights of, of the Clemson game and the Boston College game. Um, and some of the others, and he he's made plays, 27 receptions, seven touchdowns. We're talking about almost, uh, um, you know, one-fourth of his of his catches being touchdowns for 385 yards. Uh, Louisville secondary, this, this game is going to really uh, kind of fall on them in my eyes. I think this is a game where you're going to need to see a retro control Clark. You're going to need to see Quincy Riley at his best. Jarvis Brownlee can't afford to have any of those. Uh, Johnny Wilson lapses. These guys have to come ready to play. And then you need the, the MJ Griffins, Josh Minkins. You need to be able to rotate, rotate guys in. They need Kendrick Duncan if he's healthy. Like they need these guys to be able to step up and, and make plays. Uh, and from a defensive standpoint, Vince, I mean, wh what do you do in this situation from a, you know, do you, do you go man and, and trust that one through four you can cover or are you, are you throwing more zone at them? Like what, what is it I, here that you kind of do when you I, have this I, many I would, receivers? I, I run my normal defense. I call, I call what I need to call. And Jacob, you were saying it's going to be a huge game for the secondary. It's going to be just as big of a game for the defensive line. We're going to see what the D line's made of. Cause I mean, think guys, what's going to shut down them being able to ride that thing all the way up, you know, all the way up to where the center's at, all the way up. I mean, it's it's going to be pressure. If our defensive line can establish the point of attack on Wake's side of the ball and we can get pressure on Sam Hartman and uh, make him uncomfortable throwing and letting him know, I mean, even if he's just getting touched on a play, you yeah. know, just letting him know, hey, somebody's here, somebody's coming, you're going to have somebody in your face the entire freaking game. Uh you know, I'd feel comfortable with us running, you know, same stuff we've been running, uh, mixing up with man and zone and whatever is working that week and whatever we feel more, most comfortable. I, you know, we seem to be a better man coverage football team, in my opinion, just because, I mean, bringing pressure, that's kind of what you run behind 
Uh, you obviously do have your zone pressures, but in my opinion, I feel like we just give up too much cushion when we're in zone. I'd much rather have us, our guys in there for bang, bang plays. And it uh, seems like those are the kind of type, that's the kind of type of stuff that uh, Control Clark likes to do is, you know, really being there, getting somebody shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, hand combat almost. Yeah. So, but, uh, so I think it's on the D line, really. So here, let's let's talk about the keys of the game here. Um, I think it's pretty simple for Louisville. Uh, it starts overall, and this this may sound kind of um, obvious, but it starts with eye discipline. This this and and really staying focused with gap integrity. You don't hear gap integrity a ton throughout the season until you play Wake Forest, and then you hear it constantly. Um, that's what it's going to be about with this slow with this slow ride or whatever I said earlier. I've I've lost. I put my notes away, so I lost whatever I call it. This the slow ride and something. I don't know. I'm, whatever it was, you know what you can. Uh, you guys know it what I'm talking does, about. Slow ride, does, slow ride and decide. Yeah, slow ride and decide. That's what it is. Slow ride and decide. Um, and, and so uh, you've got to be able for Louisville to to be disciplined there. That's that's the first thing. If you can do that, you've got a much better chance at winning. I think it's pretty obvious. But second, attack the offensive line. If there is any weakness on on Wake Forest offense this year, it's the offensive line. Now, Wake Forest is tied for 84th nationally in sacks allowed. They allow almost three sacks a game, uh, and they are uh, tied for 61st in tackles uh, for loss allowed. So Louisville's got an opportunity to build on what they've done the last two weeks against Virginia and Pittsburgh from a defensive line standpoint. Yaya Diaby, this game is built for a guy like that because yeah, I don't it, need to just be—I don't need to just be smart. I'm big and strong and fast. I can do all three. <laughs> Triple threat for you right there, right? I can read, react, and destroy. That's what I'm going to do this whole game. That's what—that's what Yaya Diaby's game plan is going to be. And this is a game where you want to see him thrive. You want to see Ashton thrive. You want to see these defensive linemen prancing around out there like deer, man. I want to see them prancing around like deer and then destroying the quarterback like that bear destroyed the top of the wrestler's head. That's what I want to see. In this, game. this this game is you know it it could be good for Mason Rager too you know somebody whose motor is just 110 miles per hour 24 7 non-stop I, I mean that's going to be hard for a struggling Wake Forest offensive line yeah one thing I will say watch Momo Sonogo in this game he is one I'm going to circle as somebody to watch because he's never played against this Steve this offense before at least that I can think of off the top of my head He's a guy that I, I, you know, Monty's seen it a ton of times. We've seen Monty bite on a lot of Wake Forest. Like he's the kind of guy that they bait into doing silly things because he just gets super excited to chase the ball. Uh, but like, like, just watch Momo this game. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he's playing fast, aggressive, getting to where he needs to be, or if you see him kind of out of place because he's not sure what to do. Uh, the next, the next key in the final thing. This is the big difference. This is what's going to win the game for Louisville, and that is offensively being able to get big plays and and mostly through the passing game Uh, this season, Wake Forest, in terms of giving up the big play, you know, 50, 60 yarders, they're not giving up a ton. They're they're You know, they do give up some, they've given up four plays of over 50 plus yards, which is tied 75th in the country. They've given up two plays of 60 plus yards. So those plays are there for Louisville, like that, that opportunity to make those big plays, but where Louisville really can win this game is what Satterfield called the chunk play, which is not to me the same thing as a 70 yard play. That's a bomb, right? A, a, a chunk play is a 20 yard, a 15 yarder. And where, and where's Wake Forest is really weak is in the 20 plus yard uh, ability to cover those plays. They've given up 38 of those. They are tied 95th nationally in, in plays of 20 plus yards. So for Louisville, can you take advantage of that? And here's some other numbers just to, to kind of tell the story a little bit deeper of why it's going to come down to Malik Cunningham against Clemson. DJ uh, DJU 371 yards passing five touchdowns. Dude just got benched last weekend. Okay. 
371 yards, five touchdowns against Wake Forest passing. Now, overtime obviously makes that a lot of numbers. Uh, Florida State, Jordan Travis, 281 yards throwing. Did I say rushing before? I meant to say passing. I meant to say passing. Okay, I, meant, I said throwing. But you're you, good. You, you, you're you good. Me. Okay, 281 yards passing, three touchdowns. Okay, Florida State was in that game. That's the second closest game of the season for, for Wake Forest. So the first closest win that was a lot. Could have been a loss, but was a win. And then Liberty, true freshman Caden Slater. 256 yards, two touchdowns. Now he did throw two picks and that was ultimately the difference for Liberty, but they lost that game by a very narrow margin. This game to me comes down to can Malik Cunningham complete passes. That's it. That's what it comes down to. Can he pick up plays? He doesn't even need to throw a 60, 70 yard play. Like that'd be great, but I want to see some more of these 15, 20 yard passes. Even if it's a dump down to a running back and they can get the yards themselves. Louisville needs a bunch of those plays to keep drives alive. They need to be able to move the ball down the field. And if they are able to get those, I think Louisville can score enough, but this leads into predictions now. Uh, in terms of overall what you guys think. And Preston, we can start with you on your prediction. But I feel like if Louisville can score, Louisville's defense is going to get points up, right? I think we all are in agreement on that. But can you limit the damage there? And then from the offensive standpoint, can you get over the hump and score enough points to beat Wake Forest? And so, Presley, I'm coming to you for a prediction first. Is that possible? Yeah, I mean, you you lead me in very well, Jacob. And and I think that the the thing that fans need to keep in mind is this is going to be different than a Pitt or or a Virginia and that this is one of the best offenses in the country, and they're one of the most unique offense in the, offenses in the country. Um, and they're the most statistically the most efficient offense in the country. Uh, they're top 10 in, in points scored, but they're barely top 40 in, in, in total offense. So what that means is they're not getting a lot of yards, but they're getting a lot of points out of them. So when they, get, when they have the ball in their hands, they, they tend to score. They have against Florida State and Clemson, uh, just as they have against Liberty and, and, and you know, some of the – uh, you know, lesser, you know, smaller conference schools, right? So Wake Wake is good on both sides of the ball is the other thing. Um, Wake Forest is going to throw some very similar stuff that Louisville does. They have uh, some some smaller guys who are really good at rushing the passer. Uh, their whole The name of their whole, whole game on defense is going to be disruption because they know they have an offense that's going to be able to score the ball. So if they can get that offense a few extra possessions, they're going to win the game almost every single time. And that's exactly what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to disrupt. So that's the biggest key for me is Louisville needs to take away the ball, which Wake Forest doesn't doesn't give up a lot of turnovers. And they need to also, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to need to limit it to like a maximum of one turnover. I, I think you cannot give them any extra possessions. Uh, Sam Hartman reminds me of Teddy Bridgewater a lot. Um, he is he's not a guy who's going to stand out as like some crazy playmaker but he has that will to win on third and fourth down. He is so good. And if you guys remember watching Teddy, that was the one thing it's like, okay, under Charlie strong, like, yeah, we might run the ball at the middle. We might not do a bunch of productive stuff. All of a sudden Teddy's going to come out of nowhere and, you know, have some kind of crazy run for on a third and 12 or like, you know, fit a, fit a ball into a window that it should, he shouldn't be throwing it into. And it's a perfect completion. And he's complimented very well with his wide receivers. Um, Jacob, as you suggested, they kind of have a triumvirate of, of guys, and wide, wide receiver who are ridiculous. Uh, and lastly, the big plays for Wake Forest. Um, Louisville, we've been talking about Louisville gives up the big plays. Wake Forest likes to, to, to create the big plays on offense. Um, the, the only game where they didn't have more than 10 big plays this season was, was against Liberty, but they had six. And five of those six were for 16, 42, 41, 41, and 34 yards. They get them in a, they get them in a chunk plays. They get them in a hurry, right? 
So, and that's, that's their worst game of the season as far as getting chunk plays. So with all that in mind, even against Clemson, 36, 30, 22, 28, 23, 19, 20, 25, and 46. And Clemson, by all metrics, is as similar of a defense as Louisville has uh, across the country. If, if Clemson's ninth in something, Louisville's 10th. If Clemson's second, Louisville's third. Like, they're very similar. So that, that's, that's the kind of defenses that, that you're looking at as far as success rate. Um, I, I think the, the, the main key for Louisville is going to be able to run the ball with Malik Cunningham. We saw last week when Louisville had its most productive drives, it started with Malik kind of in that, that uh, 30-yard line to 30-yard line territory, having a successful run. Uh, and then we saw, again, right at, right at the 50-yard line, the successful throwback from Braden Smith. So all those things uh, accounted for. I think that, it, that Louisville is going to hold on to the ball as much as possible. They're going to try to run as much clock as possible. It's going to be a, kind of a, a keep away game. Scott Satterfield likes playing that game anyways. He did forever at Appalachian State. They're going to try to, you know, hang their hat on the defense, try to create some havoc. Uh, I think Louisville's going to win this game 34 to 26. I think Louisville's going to be the first team to hold Wake Forest under 30 points this season. And it's going to be on the backs of the defense. It's going to be on the backs of conservative, off, not conservative, but offensive play calling that's conducive to Louisville keeping the ball. I think you're going to see a drive where Louisville has the ball like eight or nine minutes this game. They're just going to be just toting the rock, you know, three, four yards at a time, maybe some leak runs on some third downs, and Wake Forest isn't going to be able to stop it. I think that's, I think that's going to be the key to the game right there, uh, along with, you know, a number of other things that, that I pointed out. But, um, yeah, that, that's, what, that's what I'm looking for. Wake's going to score, but I think Louisville – Pulls, I just have a good feeling about this. Louisville pulls it out, and I've rarely been wrong this season. So if you, if you want something to hang your hats on, uh, so how about that? All right, Presley, I'm riding with you this week, man. I'm going with the cards, too. I'm going 35 to 42. I, I, I don't think that uh, we'll keep them under that 30-point range uh, that, that you're saying. But uh, for a lot of the same reasons, I'm going with Louisville. Uh, I'd like you, I would love to see Malik get the ball more in open field. I think that's, you know, something that gets him in the groove, gets him feeling good. I, it plays well off his passing game. And I mean, I can imagine it just adds confidence to the kid where I, what I'm going to say though, for our defense is I think our defense is going to have two turnovers. And one of those is going to be that pivotal one to seal the game for us. Who's going to make that play has yet to be determined, but I think there's going to be that, there's going to be that one turnover where it's like that's the one that won us the game right there. That that's that's the play. We we always talk about those two to three plays in a football game that decide, you know, whether you win or lo- win or lose. I, I think that 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 turnover is going to be one of those plays for Louisville. Ah, I wish I had the optimism. Be week, that guys. guy. Be Somebody, that guy. Somebody's got to keep us from being unanimously wrong next week. Um, and, and I've got some numbers to back this up. Okay, I'm not gonna just poo poo on Louisville. Uh, but here's where we're at. Louisville uh, has never won three games consecutively in the Power Five under Scott Satterfield. Uh, Louisville did beat Wake Forest in 2019, but they've and they've they've played well against them. But they're obviously coming off a loss last year in a game they they should have won. Um, I think that Louisville's defense is playing really really solid football, uh, but we've never seen them con- string consecutive games. Uh, together to this level. This is a number 10 team in the country. They come in with an offense that's going to score the football. Um, they're going to get probably 24 points regardless. Like, I just think that that's, that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, so from there, 
what can the offense do to minimize that? And I don't, I, that this team, they're not great statistically against stopping the run, but when you look at it game by game and you have context, they're not a bad run stopping team. I think that they're going to go all in on forcing Louisville to throw the football. And I just don't believe in Malik Cunningham right now. I just don't believe in him. And I think it comes down to that. I don't see a way Louisville can score enough points to beat Wake Forest without Malik Cunningham having a three touchdown 200-yard game uh, in this one. I'm going to go Wake Forest 34-24. to 24. I think they win in a game that's close. I think it's close, but I think ultimately Louisville just doesn't have the weapons um, in the passing game to beat a team like Wake Forest. It's unfortunate, but somebody's got to be realistic. I mean, man. that's all fair. I mean, uh, yeah. we're right. I'm riding high off of wins versus Virginia and Pittsburgh. That's right. And I hope I'm wrong. Number, this is number 10 Wake Forest, so this is a whole different beast and monster, and like we've been saying that RPO is just a bitch to cover. And I mean, on top of the other stuff that they run, that is a normal offense. They're, it's just a tricky offense. They run a lot of guys into each other and cross a lot of people. And I mean, it just turns into the headache for a defense. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, a challenge for Louisville for sure. Uh, amongst all the other things kind of floating around, but regardless Saturday, uh, it, it should be a great turnout for Louisville fans uh, for the football program. Um, it's a, it's a game they need, they need bad Scott Zetterfield needs kind of that defining win. Now it's, it's Wake Forest. I understand, but it is a top 10 team that would really kind of, I think in, in my opinion, save him. Uh, and really set off, you know, at least getting another year or, or so, and probably some kind of extension, to be quite honest with you. So we shall see. Saturday, 3.30, Wake Forest comes to town in a blackout. Wear black. Don't wear white. Don't wear red. Don't wear yellow. Don't wear gray. Presley, what color should they wear? I think they should wear black, Jacob. They and, should wear and black. I will say, I'm looking at Ticketmaster, weekly Ticketmaster update. Also, weekly weather channel update. It's going to be perfect <laughs> outside. Uh, it's just part, partly cloudy. It's not going to get below 60. It's not going to get above 70. It's going to be perfect fall football weather. Like I can just kind of feel that. I can smell that crispness in the air that the, the leaves are dying. Um, but, but my spirit is floating. Um, but, but I will say I'm looking at Ticketmaster right now. This is the most pathetic thing that I've ever looked at in my entire life. As far as, you know, I'm, I'm stay checking on the tickets, get out there and, and go to this game. People I'm dead serious. The Louisville needs you. And, and this is, I mean, this is worse than South Florida. It's, it's bad. They're, like they're, they're, it's a, t- it's a, the top t- number 10 team in the country come right. to our place. Here's what, what I know about Louisville. About? Here's what I know about Louisville fans right now. You know, that Monday to Wednesday, you're not sure. I'm still, I don't, I'm, and then Thursday you wake up. What's that? You smell that honey. You smell that? That's a Louisville win. Yeah, I it smell smells it. like winning in the air. That, that's it right. Does. And so yeah. tomorrow morning fans, when you wake up and you're listening to this podcast, go buy a ticket, go buy two, buy one for your neighbor. Uh, I'm sure we could find somebody in Louisville that would like to go. Let's fill up that stadium. Louisville if uh, Louisville uh, administration, if you're listening, let's close that flight deck. Let's just get that thing. Let's just – can we chop it? Let's just chop it off, man. Let's just close it and get the uh, lower bowl filled up. That's a good – I like walking up and getting beer up there. No, no, the, no, that's, that's no, 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 that's deck. the party oh. deck, man. You, you're killing me. It's the beer garden party deck. The oh, flight deck God. is what I'm talking about. That thing is uh, another – it's in another ooh. planet. That's what I'm saying. Let's Let's – Chop it off, you know, like a little haircut. Just yeah, just just chop off the top and donate those ten thousand seats to a local, um, to a local high school stadium, and they'd have the dopest stadium ever. 
There you go. Yeah, stand. there you go. All right. Well, that wraps up the episode of From the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane, Vincent LaCocco, Presley Meyer rocking with you here on a wonderful Wednesday night in Louisville, Kentucky. We were getting excited for football on Saturday with beautiful fall weather. You better have some chili before you come out there. If you do so, Kern's Corner is where you need to have that chili. But you better be prepared. A flannel shirt would be nice. You know, make it make a black flannel shirt. How about that? Uh-huh. Let's, let's lean into the culture of the fall around here. But hey, if you're just tuned in for the first time, we appreciate you tuning in from the Pink Seats podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get your shows. Give us a follow on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod at State of Louisville. Check out stateoflouisville.com. Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated is where you can find Matt McGavick, who is not here with us tonight, but you can find his work there. Definitely going to be an interesting weekend. We hope to check back with you next week on a, uh, a how about a, maybe a back-to-back-to-back winning for the first time against Power 5 teams for Scott Satterfield and the From the Pink Seats era. I don't know. We'll see. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, go Cards. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.